This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Nebraska preps post game with Damon Benning and Jacob Padilla. That's the big voice guy. That means it's another week with Jacob Padilla. I'm ODB. It's Nebraska Preps post game. One of the best in the business. Uh, a busy week. A lot to catch up on. We'll try to be efficient. We apologize in advance if we miss you. Well, we probably won't miss you, but maybe you won't get as much love as you'd like. But uh, we'll continue to try to get better, man. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. It's a, it's a fun week. I got to. Got to see a lot of basketball. I think I topped out at twenty games last week between the various tournaments. So yeah, that's that, that's a, that's a lot of action. And when you spend most of the time in the gyms these last couple of days, like we did, um, a little break is good. So we took the weekend, kind of compose, grab some notes, do a few things differently, adjust rankings accordingly, and then there were a couple of aha moments. Where do you? Where should we start if you're looking to? For an aha moment, do yeah. we go to Lincoln first? Uh, I mean, hey, hey uh, with, with, I think it's up to you driving the ship, especially considering uh, who ended up uh, winning the the one that's closer to where we are. Yeah, um, but, but I, I kind of would like to yeah. go to to the uh, to the HVAC, right? right. Sounds because good. we liked, we thought we liked Lincoln Northeast, right? We yeah. went over the seedings last week. We said, hey, Southwest is the one, East was the two, Pius was the three, Northeast was the four. And I looked at you, you looked at me, and you said, not quite a lot of respect for Northeast as the only undefeated team uh, for the four seed, but people weren't in love with their schedule. You intimated it could be maybe due to the lack of, like, big-name star power, but, man, they just – they just keep winning, and they're doing it with a total team effort as they knocked off both Southwest and Pius uh, en route to winning that tournament. Yeah, that was phenomenal teamwork, and they had different guys step up um, at different moments. It was pretty balanced in, in the semi uh, over Southwest, and then in the final, it was G. Gatnor coming off the bench, going off for 19 points on 7 of 9 shooting, hit three threes. Um, hit, hit a couple of clutch free throws late, had a had a breakaway layup after the team forced a turnover um, to, to kind of really seal it at the end. Although, Pius, uh, they didn't quit. They, they kept fighting down to the end, and they actually banked in a three that would have tied it, but it was clearly still on Brady Christensen's hands. So it was a good call by the officials to wave that off. And uh, Northeast takes the crown, uh, the 58, 51-48 win uh, on Thursday afternoon down at Lincoln Southeast. What do you make of kind of, do you call it balance or not so much when you're looking at kind of how Lincoln has shook out so far? Yeah, I think that's, uh, it's pretty good balance. I mean, most of those teams, I think, depending on the on the day, can go out and beat each other. Um, obviously, we, we've talked about the ones that look like the, they have the most talent on paper. Um, we talked about the ones that have accomplished the most to this point, but um, I think 
this tournament show that any of those top four teams and then even a couple of those um, those other ones can jump up and uh, give you a fight. So it's I think this is probably in terms of top to bottom as good as Lincoln's been in a while here in terms of the number of teams that are in the mix. When you're taking a look at kind of how the, the the final game shook out, what do you think Pius is kind of, I won't say missing because it's early, but you're trying to take a look at, at, at what you think that they can improve on. What, what do you think they're missing right now? I think they've got to. They were in everybody's preseason yeah. top four, right? Yep. And I think, one, they've got to settle in and kind of understand their, their own strengths and weaknesses and uh, kind of figure out. I think just looking at that, that game, Sam Hostrider, who's the best player on the team, is going to North Dakota State. He, uh, he, was, he took six shots and four free throws, I believe, finished with 10 points. And th- that's just not enough. They've got to find a way. Uh, I think the other guys kind of let uh, Northeast kind of bait them into taking a lot of shots that w- were tougher looks and that weren't falling on that night. Um, Jack Hostrider let him in scoring, but it took him 17 shots to get there. And Jared Bohr hit a, it hit a big three late, but early in the game, he, w- he wasn't knocking down shots. And, um, so that was, I think that's part of it is they, they've got to do a better job of kind of understanding what they're trying to do and, and playing through, uh, their best players and, and getting better looks. They just did not get enough quality looks on offense in that game. And Northeast was really kind of collapsing in the paint and throwing a lot of bodies at them. And we, we talk about the kind of the strength of the team is the size and athleticism. And their with, versatility, man. Yeah. Uh, this time it was, uh, you know, when was yeah. kind of the Robin there's always, there's always a second or third guy that kind of chips in and, and, and helps them get it done. Their their balance is going to be – could be potentially tough to handle, man. It's just – it's somebody different every night. You, you mentioned got with what he did coming off the bench with 19. Hard, hard to get a scouting report done when it's almost somebody different every night if you're a Rockets fan. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's, again, the strength of the team in it. G. Gatnor is uh, who I think Co- uh, Coach Richie talked about. He he started at Northeast as a freshman, then kind of his family moved and he went to Lincoln High and has been there for the last couple of years, but decided, you know, senior year, he wanted to go back to Northeast. And he's a guy that has been huge for them just with his ability to score efficiently off the bench. And I don't know how many double-figure games he's, he's uh, been now, but um, we talk about that balance and it goes one through six. Um, and he's capable of leading them in scoring in any given game. We saw Carlos Valdez have a good game yeah. in the semis. We saw Christian Wynn have a good game in the semis. Again, it's just well, Xander Beard, um, I think, is a, a very capable scorer, and he hasn't even really had a whole lot of big games. He's capable of taking over for stretches if he needs to. Jalen Lang, I think, is just solid as a junior at the point guard, can really finish at the basket pretty well. So, And Porter Basil, we talked about him. He's probably the he's most talented player. He's usually the guy player. that comes up. The yeah. most, right? And he defensively, he's been a force blocking shots left and right. He hasn't even he hasn't had a bunch of shots start to fall yet, but he's capable. Uh, so if he gets clicking, in addition to everything else they're doing, those guys are going to be a tough out. What do you think? So uh, I want to let's, let's go out out state here for not out state, I guess Western Nebraska uh, for a second with a little four team scramble up in North Platte, where there was a lot of familiarity. All four of those teams had. Wait, North. I know Elkhorn and Beatrice had seen each other in kind of that round robin triangular. I'm not. I can't remember off the top of my head what North Platte had seen of those opponents, but you know, Platteview, Elkhorn, and Beatrice were all familiar 
with one another, and Platteview comes out kind of unscathed. Yeah, the 69-52 win over North Platte, kind of the host in, in the, the first game, and it was another big Connor Melkin game, 34 points, nine boards, and then they got um, 19 points from Michael Weeblehouse and 12 from Alex Draper. Different that, team. You look at the point total yeah. with the third the third person in that trio, which is Weeblehouse. Yeah, and so that's that's how they win games. Like if, if you're looking at that, Platteview is going to win almost every single game they're in if you get that kind of scoring distribution. Second game, though, Elkhorn, I, they've, they're have they not nearly as talented as they were last year. You look at um, kind of the roster, and Dane Peterson's the only one really back that actually yeah. played last year. But uh, Coach uh, Benji Hayes done a good job defensively of just really fighting and scrapping with that 1-3-1. Uh, I haven't seen them yet. I'm assuming they're kind of sticking with that. Um, just really when you hold Platteview up. in the high 40s, you know, 48 43 final, I think was the final. Yeah. You're going to give yourself a chance to win. Yeah. And first, uh, Elkhorn beat Beatrice 43 35 to get into that that championship game. And they got 15 from Axel Prince, I believe, the transfer. And Ethan Youngtown uh, got 11. So those are your two leading scores. And I think uh, Peterson only had seven points in that game. And they still got the win. And then, like you mentioned, 48 43, um, they, they hung around in it. Uh, they, they gave themselves a chance. And Milliken, 16 points on 4-16 shooting, 2 of 10 from 3. Mm. So they, they made his looks tough within, with that zone, with the, the way they, uh, they play defense. Um, Peterson at the rim is a great rim protector. But Alex, uh, Alex Draper stepped up, 17 points uh, on 6 of 10 shooting, including 5 of 9 from 3. So somebody was, needed to hit shots against that zone, and it looked like he was the one. So they got just enough to, to get out of there, but um, it's, uh, I think, good confidence builder for, for, for Platteview after that. Um, I, I'm, they were probably, uh, I'm sure they were hoping for a, uh, another crack at Beatrice yeah. after the way uh, uh, that, that previous game went. But just han- trying to handle Beatrice's post-presence, which I think, you know, Jurgen's controlling the tempo that first time around, and then not necessarily Twin Towers, but really good inside presence from Beatrice really gave Platteview fits. I, I was kind of anxious for that <laughs> to kind of see if that may present itself again. But do we know enough yet, in your opinion, about Platteview to separate or we keep them lumped in with Ron Colley if we think that Scud is one like I do in Class yeah, B? I, I agree. I think that they belong in that mix for sure, um, just in terms of talent in Class B. They're just not a ton of depth in, in that class right now. And when you've got a guy like Connor Milliken and enough pieces around him, I, I think they belong firmly in, in that mix just in terms of over the long haul. But in Class B, anybody can jump up. Yeah, you up. put Orrin Company ahead of them, or they, they've had some good wins at, uh, with Ron Colley. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a tough basketball team. And went down to Ashland Greenwood for the tournament last week and pulled out a 72-70 overtime yeah. win. Uh, over the Blue Jays, um, and then bounced back and just dominated forty point win over Archbishop, Archbishop Bergen in the final, and then they wrapped uh, closed out the week with a sixty three fifty two win over Elkhorn North. So Ron Colley, it's a team. It's a really good week. Yeah, it's a team that I need to go out and get. Uh, we'll talk about this later. There's some some big games coming up this week. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do this, um, but that's a team that I've got my eye on potentially uh, getting out and seeing th- this next week, but. Um, yeah, Jake Orr, I think he had 20-something in, in that uh, win over Ron Colley. Quietly, um, he's one of the better basketball players across the state. You and I talk about yeah. him a ton, especially with regards to Class B and where he belongs. It's, I think it's Milliken and, and, and definitely Orr. 
kind of right there. He's such a good overall athlete. He is. Uh, he's. Uh, he's. He's tough to handle. Yeah. So uh, I think great start for them. You talk about some of the better players in Class B. One head out west. Um, that was the other one that we Scott's talked bluff, about. Yeah. Class B, the Scotts Bluff tournament, and um, I had a feeling you were going to go there. <laughs> First round, Bennington uh, took care of business over Hastings. Scotts Bluff beat Lexington, so it kind of set up the final that we were hoping to see. And boy, did Scott's Bluff dominate that game. 83-68 win over Bennington. It was 26-26 after the first quarter. And then they pulled away 25-14 in the second and then kind of cruised through the second half. And uh, I, I mentioned him in the preseason, but Austin Thine, the transfer from Mitchell, 26 points. And then they got double digits from four other guys. Tyler Hari only had 13 points, um, but they got 17 from Kellen Harris and 10 apiece from Tate Talkington and uh, Michael Mickey. So... If they're getting that kind of those kind of contributions from those guys not named Thine and, and Hari, uh, in addition to Thine doing what he's going to do, like that's about that twenty six apiece in that first quarter. Yeah, yes. had to be highly, highly entertaining. Oh yeah, and so that's I mean, Scottsbluff is now four and zero against Nebraska teams uh, after uh, Chadron had been the only one they had played previously um, and had played them twice. Yeah. So they're, I believe, eight and two now. Um, yep. After that, um, and again, both both losses are out of state. So that's that's a tough team. Um, not going to see a lot of them because kind of stick out there on the, the Panhandle. Not not really going to venture around the Metro. But um, that's the team come ter- state tournament time that I'm sure you'll see plenty of. So we, do we learned a little bit about Beatrice still sitting there at six and two. Um, I think we like them as a basketball team, but their style of play, right? It's it's Jurgens. It's a little bit of penetration. Uh, they've got good post presence. Uh, actually, a good pair of of post presence. Do we put them just outside of where we think Scottsbluff, Plaview, Ron Colley, where that section would be if there is separation from Scott and everybody else? Yeah, that's that's a tough one with. Uh Beatrice beating Platteview and then losing to Elkhorn. It's kind of like the transitive property. Because Elkhorn's right there at 500, but has played a tough schedule. Exactly. So I think, yeah, that's probably, I I think Beatrice is still in that top five mix. Um, They're one of those teams that, um, just in terms of the talent and kind of what they've done thus far, they belong in that mix. I think I'd probably, um, you give me a series, I'd probably take a a few of those other teams over Beatrice, but... I've only seen a little bit of Beatrice at this point. So, um, where to? Do you want to go Metro? Yeah, I, I think we've hit on uh, some, most of the other kind of big ones this week, so we might as well. Yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, let's start with the shot clock, right? Because that was a, there was a lot yeah. of talk about it and like what it would be, how to manage it, what it wasn't, what it was. I felt like for the most part, there's only a couple. I th- there's one game in particular I think it really came into play, and that was Gretna Bellevue West, right, where I felt like Gretna just didn't have a chance to control tempo. Yeah. There were so many more possessions than I think they're accustomed to getting. It really manifests itself, and maybe a little with West with West Side and Elkhorn South where that second-half run that happened in the third quarter where C.J. Mitchell and those guys, he kind of – the, the tempo, they really got sped up for about that six-minute increment where yeah. the game got away from them. Outside of that, I thought what would be was with the shot clock and what wouldn't be was with the shot clock. Yeah, overall, I don't I don't think it 
had a huge noticeable, noticeable impact. Um, then again, going from watching the shot clock games at the the Metro to going down to the hack finals and watching those games, you did, I did feel uh, notice a difference there late in the late in the quarters and in the fourth quarter, yeah. which is really where the biggest impact is. It's not going to be possession to possession. Most possessions, uh, kids get shots off before thirty seconds. Um, but it's in those moments where coaches like to slow it down and really control tempo and run clock as opposed to just playing. That's when uh, the impact is going to be. And I felt it made for a better product um, watching th- those games compared to what I saw down in the hack. Good point. You know where that really showed up, where I felt like it was a very long last minute and a half. That Central Bellevue West game was fantastic to see the cat and mouse of utilizing the clock when not to foul. The game was right around the five, six point mark. And so you looked, and if it's a minute 30, you're not really in a hurry to have to foul. You can, you can play good defense with a possession. Central didn't have to really try to force the issue to get the ball back. The ends of quarters, I think, are, are where it really shows up. Yep, and, and that's kind of the biggest deal when you see coaches, sometimes I've seen it before the one-minute mark, call for one possession. Or they'll run yeah. through they'll run through something and don't get anything. Hit that fifty second mark and they say, "I'll oh, pull it out, pull it out, um, hold for one." And you can't do that. Um, and again, in the fourth quarter, it ma- does make those games more exciting. Like you said, where uh, a lot of times you see a team take a seven eight point lead in the fourth quarter, and you feel like uh, it's going to take a huge effort just to get back into this because they're going to run clock, they're going to really stall, and eventually you're going to have to foul as opposed to just playing. Now you have to keep playing up until the the final minute. And that's a huge difference, and I think it does improve the game. And there, there, were, there weren't a ton of shot clock violations. Like I, there, I think Sauter tra- tracked it throughout, but um, it, it, there was probably less than one a game if you mm-hmm. look at all the games total. Completely agree. Um, and I was there most, I mean, and there were only six hours. Yeah, and there were only a couple mistakes between the officials, the shot clock operator. Like, it wasn't a big deal. They, they um, I thought they pulled it off pretty well. And 35, I think, is a good number for the high school. Um, I think that's, again, if, if you can't get a shot off within 35 seconds, then you probably weren't going to get a shot off, a good shot off, <laughs> if you t- take right. another 30. Right. Like, at that point, you've done everything you're going to do on a possession. So, um, I, I wondered how much, like, Pressing would kind of play into that, try to run down the clock, and there was some of that, but it wasn't a huge. I don't think there were a lot of teams that don't press that were pressing. Uh, mostly, I think a lot of teams did what, what they normally do. Yeah, well, let's, let's go all the way back to the quarters because um, I think we last – we were together on Monday, which meant that we had the Tuesday games, the Wednesday games, then the day off on Thursday, which was kind of a travel day for us, and then <laughs> Friday – Let's go back to Tuesday. What kind of stuck out in your head as you kind of recap those quarterfinal games in your head? Yeah, um, I think obviously the the central prep game and the, uh, was the the most interesting one. Um, and man, we, we talk <laughs> we talk about Crane Prep and all the injuries they've dealt with. Unbelievable. And they more they lost more guys. Sean Ramachandran was out. Eddie Hubner was out. Like they just keep losing guys. That they get one back and lose two more. Yeah. And they they just couldn't quite get going. Uh, Luke Jungers finished with nine points. They couldn't quite get him established. It's a curious case study. Yeah. Um, Martell yeah. Evans tried to keep them in that game. Uh, huge second half after a really slow first start to try to get them back into it. Um, but in the end, Jay Dawson w- w- was the best player uh, on the floor, and that ended up being a huge difference maker. 
I want to get to him in a second with that first quarter that he had against Bellevue West. You may not see a a better eight-minute performance than what I felt like Dawson was doing in that first quarter. And that lent itself to um, you know, some degree of difficult some high degree of difficulty of shots later in that game. But man, when he gets cooking, he's got the full he's got the full repertoire. The 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 central in my opinion, even more so than Millard North, who was better early than I saw them late. La- Millard North and Central are interesting, right? And for the same reasons in the but in different ways, the backcourt, right? For Central, I think they have some keys there. I like I like DeAmbre uh Brody. Um, you know, he's not going to go out and get you, you know, 16-17 a night on the regular, but when he takes care of the basketball and they don't they, they get good quality possessions, that's a that's a good basketball team. Like I think they're capable night in and they you saw it against Bellevue West, right? Now, now PJ Davis got hot. Really started to find a way to get to the ten. They kind of changed the way that they played, but that backcourt, uh, you know, if if they handle it well, I think it's a it's a very dangerous basketball team. Miller North, on the other hand, without getting much scoring from their backcourt, sometimes I felt like Westside really suffocated that backcourt as a whole. They just could not get good looks. Well, and if you want to. Turn there and just talk about Westside's kind of trip through the whole tournament. And I I wasn't feeling great watching them play Elkhorn South. You saw it through the first half. They yeah. kind of slept, walked through there. Um, weren't making great decisions. The intensity wasn't there. And it just felt like we talked previously after the Miller North. It was like, these guys are clearly good, but are they in that top tier? Do they have enough to, to compete for a state title this year? With everything they brought back, are these guys ready to take the step forward? And didn't feel like that way early in the season. And then you come out that Elkhorn South game, and they kind of struggled through that. They eventually pulled away um, in the second half. It's far from impressive. I agree. I agree. Flipped the switch, second half, finally started guarding a little bit, and that's where it all started. And then even Miller North was a little choppy until there was about a six, seven-minute stretch where I felt like it got away from Miller North. Yeah, and credit to Westside, Coach Jim Simons, the whole team for kind of the adjustment they made and the – the better execution defensively, yeah. they completely took David Harmon out of the game. He, the whole deal. He put up 24 on them, got in the paint at will last time. They did a great job of icing the ball screens, sending guys into the gaps. Really, he had nowhere to go. He had uh, he did a good job of getting in the paint and making some threes, kind of or kicking it out to, for some threes early in the game. Finished with five assists, but in the second half, he just was really completely taken out of it. And none of those other guys stepped up. They didn't yeah. get anything out of Jackson Page. Um, uh, those all didn't shoot it yeah. well. Couldn't get, didn't get much from Mosser. Yeah, and Elijah Gaith and Isaiah McMor- McMorris off the bench did some made some plays, but then they weren't able to kind of finish down the stretch. They had some opportunities and um, kind of missed out. Uh, man, but Jason Green, He's he lost. almost dragged them back single handedly. Whether it was the offensive rebounds, the putbacks, the grab and goes. The, the, Give me that block at the rim, like he he hit it, hit a three there in the fourth quarter. That it's was almost big. like whenever he gets ready. Oh, the yeah, the three from deep where you're like, uh oh, you felt a little run coming. He almost single handedly 
kept them in it. He was fantastic, in my opinion, in the loss against Westside. He was way good. It finished with 26, 13 boards, five blocks, two steals I had. Like, he was the best player on the on the court. Yeah, no uh, question. But you had uh, West. I think – I think what Westside is starting to do is kind of settle in and figuring out how they can be their best selves. Yeah. And guys are stepping into roles where Tate Oddbody is the number one option to yep. score. Let him go get his 20 every single game. You need Chandler Meeks, not necessarily to be the 20-point scorer. You need him to step up for stretches G- yeah, when G- things aren't going well. It, that's the thing, right, is to, is to kind of share those responsibilities. And a really good offensive coach like Coach Simon's adjusting and and kind of understanding they could really get after you defensively yeah and that's it it changes with them when they guard yeah and we'll talk about the the final in a second here but meeks had uh 13 points in the second quarter when nothing else was really going and that was huge he finished with an efficient 17 points again that's what you need you need him to step up for stretches not necessarily to be the best player on every single possession you need Reggie Thomas making the hustle plays, not necessarily being the, the number one option running the, the show offensively. You need him to go rebound, defend, um, a, attack the basket when the opportunities are there. And then you need just enough of those other guys. Uh, it was C.J. Mitchell in, in the first two games. It, it was Logan Wilson in the final. Payson Gillespie had some big plays. So if you can get enough out of those guys. Obviously, the defense off the bench, Charlie Davis came in and knocked down a couple of shots that were important um, in, in the last two rounds. So if you can get... Again, that Tate scoring his 20, you got Chandler having a big quarter here and there, and then everybody else defending collectively. That's how Westside is going to win, and that's exactly what we saw in the final. Uh, if you want to look ahead to that against Bellevue West. That's interesting, too, because I said a couple of weeks ago, and I obviously have a little bit of an advantage because I see him all the time, and I can compare. But remember when I said Tate's really starting to come into his own understanding how and where to be in that offense. You could just slowly start to see it come. Last year, I didn't think he was very healthy, number one. That's, and number two, just it's so hard uh, offense to kind of get comfortable in. They made a lot of little off-season adjustments. He has – they really know how to create space for him. And he, he's got such a unique game. Like, Isn't I, it weird? I don't really – have a comparison for him the 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 way he uses extends he, he he plays below the rim but he gets a lot of shots at the paint yeah and he, the, the way <laughs> not he an elite level ball handler he understands angles and he is very he is as crafty a finisher as you'll see yeah and they man so they had two three of those possessions where the ball was absolutely popping flying around. I know one ended up with. Payson Gillespie, they're like 10 passes on a play. And then the big one, the Chandler Meeks for the three. Yeah. That was probably the best possession that I saw the entire yep. uh, the entire tournament. Yep. When, they, when they share it in guard, they're they're the best team. And, and that, that, that second part is the key. Like, they were physical right out of the gates with Bellevue West. And um, if you didn't see, it was a 76-68 uh, final, I believe, in that one for, for Omaha Westside. And it was tight down in the fourth quarter, and then they pulled away. There was technicals and free throws late. Um so it was closer than that final score indicates. Yeah, although I did but, feel like about the third quarter, it was about six, seven points yeah. throughout, roughly. Yeah. And it's interesting because I watched Central and, and Bellevue West two days before, where clearly uh, William Kyle III and, and Josiah Dotzler took that game over, right? Yeah. For as oh, yeah. good as 
for as good as P.J. Davis was late and the timely scoring from Jay Dawson, we ended up shooting a better percentage than I would have thought yeah. in my head. I think he was like 7 of 16. Well, yeah, he, he got to a really good start and then was uh, a little quieter in the second half. Yeah, did he? Uh, it seemed like he made like his first five shots. Yeah, and he, a couple of them, yeah. he showed you the full gamut. I was yeah. like, ugh. Three out of three from three right out the gates. <laughs> the uh, pull-up yeah. off the step back where he first oohed and awed the crowd, and then when it goes in, it's like, uh, this guy's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, 15 in the first half, finished with 20. Um, so that was a big deal, kind of not really getting uh, – Bellevue West did a good job of kind of limiting its opportunity in the second half. But So, so going in on that yeah. scouting report, I was like, okay, Josiah is going to – He's going to get his. He's very hard to guard, right? His change of pace. I thought Kyle was going to be the key because they didn't really have a great matchup for him defensively. But how big was Logan Wilson? And so, start, yeah, from the start, Westside did a great job of getting up in Bellevue West's face. Yep. one through five. Yep. They, the pressure was relentless at, at every possession. And you could see early on, they really got in Dotsler's head and yeah. kind of, he tried to do too much early on. And it didn't, other guys weren't getting involved. He was taking some tough shots. They weren't falling. Uh, I thought he was much better in the second half, settle in and playing a little bit better style. But at that point, they were already down and uh, they never had other guys get going. I, William had a good second half, but outside of that, they never really got a, a third score. I mean, John Mitchell was their third best, third leading score. In the, or I guess Jay and Jackson hit those free throws late, but uh, they just didn't quite get enough out of those other guys. None of them were ready to deal with that pressure to be able to go make a play uh, to, to make those shots under pressure. And um, defensively, they got it into Kyle. I mean, you look in the first half a couple of times where uh, he tried to go one-on-one on Wilson and nothing happened. Yeah. Like he could not uh, take advantage of that matchup. Um so that was a great job by Wilson. And then on the other end, Wilson hit four threes, went four of eight, finished with 14 points. When, when he plays well, I'm not going to say unbeatable, but when Logan plays well, they're almost impossible to slow down offensively because he stretches you. Because he can shoot from distance, he can put it on the deck, but when he's on the perimeter, he gives you so much space. He makes it able for you to turn the corners and for those guards to put the ball on the deck because their dribble drive and kick game, it's it is they've got it down to a science. And he gets so many good open looks. Yeah, right. You can't take it all away. They they literally have, you know, seven eight guys and get you anywhere from eight to to twenty a night. So I think the key defensively, Jane Jackson zero four from three. You they, need him hitting shots. Kind of, he's been out, gotten off to a tough start so far this year for as good a player as he is. And Jackson Stuvey, Evan Enselman, and TK Barnett combined seven points and five turnovers between those three. Far be it from us, right? Coach Woodard has forgotten more basketball than 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 you and I. Well, maybe me, but you will will ever know. But those rotations, I'm not sure. He. He, he's got a couple of those guys and just playing with Jane Jackson so long. And I think Stuvie's a lot like this too, where they need to be in a rhythm and playing so many guys. I think it's hard for those really good shooters that don't put it on the deck a ton to like kind of get in a little shooting rhythm. I, I think it's tough, but shoot on a given night, he could play 10, 11 guys if he wanted to. Yeah. And that's, and that's what they've been doing. Steady 10 guys. Uh, they've stuck with the same rotation, whether it's they're playing, 
um, a, a lower level team or they're playing in the Metro final. It's the same thing again, kind of stuck with that rotation. He's trusting those young guys that are um, a lot newcomers. of guys to keep happy, especially with Jacob Arope not even dressing yet. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's going to be the other thing. Like we're seeing Robbie Garcia get a lot of uh, playing time w- with the rope uh, playing with JV, but um, I assume he'll be back here pretty soon. Um, so in I, I I mentioned John Mitchell. I thought he was the one guy that kind of felt comfortable, that was aggressive, that went out and made some plays off the bounce. And that's kind of what Westside's pressure did. They took those guys out of there. They made them uncomfortable. And that's what led to Josiah feeling like, all right, I got to go do this on my own. And again, in the second half. You can run a Benning, a a Mitchell. You can run. They just were throwing all those bodies at that backcourt. And I thought uh, I was talking to Josiah's dad. He said something interesting on the escalator coming down that I didn't really think of because you don't really think of it with Westside. He said, in watching that Millard North game, the one thing that stuck out to me was Westside's physicality. You have big, strong body types. He said that was that gave him concern heading into it because when you look at the builds, he just didn't see that in Bellevue West. And I've been fooled in that before, right? Remember you and I were together at Pius Bellevue West last year. I'm like, wow, Pius's body types, you could, they were just, even the Hoybergs who aren't tall were just big and strong. Now, eventually it didn't matter much, but they do have some smaller, I would say more slight body types. The the physicality was extremely noticeable and they kind of did it to Millard North too with some slighter guards, right? With McMorris and, and Elijah, uh, or Eli and 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 Mosser, where you know they touch and clutch and bump and they get underneath you. It's very very disruptive. Yeah, and that's what we talked about. That's the way they need to play. That's how they have to be successful with the, their roster makeup. And they hadn't always done that. I think to start the season, they definitely did it the last two rounds of the tournament, and that's why they're champions. So as we as we get ready to put a bow, and I'm sure we'll hear the music here in a, in, a, in a second. When you look at the top five, let's start in Class A. You go West Side one. Who's two? Uh, I think still Bellevue West. I agree. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think if they're playing their best and Miller North's playing their best, I still would take Bellevue West. Who's three? <laughs> well, Miller uh, North. So those three. I would. I, you know. Is Central not interesting to you? Uh, they're interesting. They're probably um, they're probably the the number four there, just based on what we've seen from the others. Um, I don't know that any of those Lincoln teams have um, showed enough. Yeah, Northeast. So Northeast Central. That's probably the the uh, next the conversation five. there for the four and five spots. Well, let's go um, top five, Class B, real quick. Scott, you start with. And we got to get to them. They haven't just they haven't they played so few games. I got to get in my, my, my Jake talk and everybody else. So what I was this week, um, both Bellevue West and Miller North play Council Bluffs, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Um, and on Monday, uh, or Tuesday rather, it's AL and Bellevue West and Ron Collie and Platteview play each other. And on Thursday, um, I, or Friday, Friday rather, it's... Uh, um, yeah, it's AL against Miller North and Scud at Roncalli. So I've got to, all right, which, I want to see one of those AL games. It does, uh, I got to decide which one of those days I want to go to the AL Scott game. Scud should be fantastic. Which I want to go to the Class B game. Um, because no. I, I, 
like I said, I want to see Ron Colley this week. So that that's going to be a tough decision, kind of deciding which way to go. But yeah, I, I do. <clears throat> at some point here, I got to see Scott. Um, they're seven and zero, the only undefeated team in, in Class B, and there's only one undefeated team in Class A. Yeah, so in Lincoln Northeast. Yeah, after that, man, <laughs> uh, Ron Colley, Platteview, Scotts Bluff, probably in some order, um, yeah. are the, the the other top four, and then fifth, Beatrice, Beatrice I maybe. Guess. Yeah, because um, Bennington's kind of had some. Some big losses here that I think knocked them down. Uh, Waverly hasn't quite uh, gone off to a great start this year. Um, and Elkhorn is kind of tucked in there playing right around 500, but it's had the tough schedule. Yeah, Blair's 6-3 and three is a team that made the state tournament last year with that great run and brought yeah, most of those teams run. back. So they're, they're probably in that top 10 mix. Um, don't know what to think uh, about some of those other Western teams. Uh, like Sydney is off to a 9-1 start, but... Um, uh, McCook is seven and two, so those are teams that are kind of in that mix record-wise that I haven't seen right. uh, any of yet myself. So, yeah, B is. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's tough to sort through. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll 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 keep you covered. Uh, it should be a fantastic next Monday with all the the big matchups that we previewed. Uh, that's Jacob Padilla. I'm ODB. We'll be back next week with Nebraska Preps post game. A Huda Media Production.